Well, this morning, I really wanted to give, uh, you know, just a very simple sermon, something to really bless us and to really just be uh, a gift to the church. So um, what we're actually going to be studying this morning is Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And what I wanted to kind of explore for just a moment is just in, in, in the words of the text, what is church? What is the church? And, and what is the focus of the church? Um, this is an easy sermon for me to actually give because uh, this church is so wonderful. And the, the, the focus that we have, and especially some of the, the leadership that Dave has brought to us, um, I think we're going to find, as we look through what is a church in the words of the author in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, and the behaviors and the practices and the things that they are focusing on, um, I'm, th- I'm thinking we're going to find that as a church, as Orchard Community Church, we are right there where we're, we're called to be. We're, we're, the things that are, are a priority that we read from Acts 1 and 2 are the things that we as a church, have made a priority. And so this truly, I hope, is a blessing to you and something that really just, I think, helps center you, um, maybe help to see some of the reasons why we do some of the things at Orchard. Um, An understanding of why we have some of our core values and things that we focus in on very intently when we do the ministries that we have here, um, and the way we, we just interact, and, and even like why we do picnics. So we're going to be reading in uh, Acts chapter 1, and we're going to do the first couple of verses there, and then we're actually going to skip over to, to Acts chapter 2 to kind of bookend what our understanding of what the church is. So uh, if you've got your Bibles, uh, I encourage you to open up to the book of Acts, and we'll read along here and just kind of understand some, some basic things first. Um, in the the first eight verses. Um, The book of Acts is also very fascinating, too. Um, Acts is really part two of Luke's writings. Um, Luke kind of wrote two major books that we see in in the the Bible. Um, He actually was the author of the Gospel of Luke, and he writes here, Acts, and you really should look at these two books as really just being um, a complete work or one one big idea that he's talking about the life of Jesus and the ministry, and then he goes right into the second book, which is the book of Acts, and continues on. And in fact, if you look there in verse one, he kind of alludes to this fact that there's this other writing that he did out there. See in verse one, my former book, Theopolis. I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions to the Holy Spirit, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. And he appeared to them over the period of 40 days and spoke about the King of God. And this is one of the incredible things about Jesus. Um, Jesus, even after he was crucified, he, he was constantly showing up in the lives of the apostles and in his disciples. Um, in fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul actually mentions that at one point, Jesus showed up to a crowd of about 500 people. And so Jesus was, was appearing 
and, and instructing them and sharing meals with them. And Luke records that Jesus was just around for 40 days. And, and what did he do during those 40 days? He taught about the kingdom of God. Verse 4. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, my father promise, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now this is something we see a lot in, in John chapter 18 and 17, the upper room conversations where, where Jesus was encouraging his disciples, trouble is coming, but take heart, for I have overcome the world, have joy, and promises them that as you go through this world, and as you encounter all the trouble that we will see in this world, Jesus promises us a helper. He promises to empower his people to do the work and ministry of Jesus, and that is the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. Oh, that Christians would heed that, by the way, right? It is not up to us. And, and this is like one of the, I, I get this, right? You should get this. Jesus was crucified, right? Now he's just showing up everywhere, having meals and just doing whatever and teaching about the kingdom of God. And the apostles and the disciples, they are ready to go. Look at this. Not even death has the last word in God's good world. Jesus overcame death. They are ready to go. They are ripped and ready. And what has Jesus said to them? Hold on. Just relax. We'll get there. Soon you'll be baptized of the Holy Spirit. And then he says, it's not for you to know the time that the Father has set. But in verse 8, he says this, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the world. And you see, in verse 8, Verse 8 is actually a very important verse because in verse 8, it gives us a glimpse into what the church is. For many, the church is, it could be about um, some religious idea that we gather around. Um, The church can be some kind of theology that we get around, some philosophy of life, um, even some kind of specific spiritual practices. But verse 8 helps us to clue in to what church is really about. And church is a community of people that don't come around an idea, a spiritual practice, or theology. But rather, we gather around the risen Jesus Christ. At the heart of the church is Jesus. We gather here in church around Jesus Christ. The risen Christ, the resurrected Christ. And, and for us, everything that we do at the center of it is Jesus. And what does the text say that our calling is to be? We are to be witnesses, 
not to that religious idea. We're not called to be witnesses to some theology or witnesses to some spiritual practice. Who are we called to be witnesses to? Jesus. And and specifically, when the Holy Spirit comes into my life and your life, what does it empower us to do? It empowers us to be witnesses to Jesus. See, this is a very important first step of understanding what exactly it means to be a church community. We gather around the risen Christ, Jesus, and we become witnesses to his ministry, witnesses to the acts that he did on the cross and everything that happened post-cross, including the resurrection. See, we are called to bear witness to Christ. So the, the question then becomes, and this is where we start to see Luke take us through here as we get through chapter 2. How does the church bear witness to Christ? Turn your pages and go to um, Acts chapter 2. And we won't put this up here, um, but I just want to kind of summarize a couple of things here as we start marching towards a big idea that we see in chapter 2. So in chapter 2, we see that the Holy Spirit comes upon the apostles. Pentecost happens, and, and all of a sudden, they're all empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so what do they do? They leave the attic, they go out there, and what's the first thing that those apostles start to do? They start bearing witness to Christ. And it's remarkable, actually, what we see happening here, because they go out there and they start speaking all these different words in tongues that aren't their own, um, you know, something that doesn't happen every day, right? Their ability to start speaking different languages and, and to actually bear witness to Christ, to not just their own people group, to all these people groups, both Jewish and Gentile. And so they begin to do these, these amazing acts, and they start to bear witness to Christ. And then we see in chapter 2, verse 14, the first, what I would call, Christian sermon. The first time a Christian sermon is given. So in verse 14, Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you and listen carefully to what I have to say. And then he then begins to give a witness to Christ. He gives the gospel and he explains to them the story of Jesus who came, lived as among us, was, was brutally mur- murdered, crucified on the cross, conquered death and was resurrected. And through that resurrection, we all have life now because of him. And so he begins to, to give this sermon. And then down there in verse 41, He concludes this sermon. We read there, Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their numbers that day. Now, that's a very stressful-sounding sentence to me, 3,000 people. Um, I don't know if they had 3,000 Bibles. I don't know if they had 3,000 people to pray with them, but God just brought in thousands of people 
through that first Christian sermon. And that sermon was Peter bearing witness to Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, what we see there is one way that we can bear witness to Christ. But we see here that there's a way for the church to bear witness to Christ as well. Look there in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. And this is where I really want to focus in on um, and and really just, just glean out of this a lot of truths to help us understand how does the church bear witness to Christ? Is this true for us as Orchard? And how can all of us come alongside this vision that, that we see here of what the church is meant to be and how we are to, to live our lives bearing witness to Christ? So verse 42, let me read through these. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And just like Peter did, when he gave that that first Christian sermon empowered by the Holy Spirit, that we see there in verse 41, thousands of people came to know who Christ was, or is, rather. What do we see here at the end of this text? When they are faithfully living their lives out as the church, it says there that the Lord added to their numbers daily those who are being saved. And so we see here two different ways that we can bear witness to Christ. So let me kind of just walk through that list that we had there. I want to explain what, what these, these four things are um, so that we can understand clearly what, what we're talking about here when we, we say the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of that bread, and, and prayer. Um, and then I want to kind of ask ourselves, um, how does this look for us as a church? So look at these four things that we have up there. First, we have the apostles' teaching. Now, the, the apostles' teaching... Um, that, that's a very important distinction that you have to make when you look at the apostles' teaching. When we read earlier what, what Peter was doing in the earlier parts of the, the book of Acts, chapter 2, when he was giving that, that, that Christian sermon that we refer to, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what that is right there is really Peter making a presentation of the gospel, bearing witness to what Jesus had done for us on the cross, bearing witness to his, his ministry for us, that is very different than what we read here when we talk about the apostles' teachings. When we talk about the apostles' teachings, these are really all the other things that help un- us understand the realities of what it means to live a gospel life. So the apostles' teaching is, is really just a focus on, on all the teachings of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Number two, the fellowship and the sharing. That right there is just a, what we do here all the time at church, right? Where we gather together and we share our lives and we break bread and, are, and we connect with each other. 
that fellowship and that breaking of bread, that sharing of the things, sharing of our lives, the sharing of our time, and, and being together, those two things are found in the church. And the last thing there is, is prayer. Now, for some of you, if you got the ESV, what, what does yours say? Does it say prayer? For some of you, you have prayers, right? Um, for this last one, when it talks about um, prayer or the prayers, this refers to the practice of the early church to actually go through the different prayers that they would do in their normal worship. Um, they would do the, the Shemash prayer, um, the Lord is God, God alone. Um, they would also do the high priest prayer, um, the, the, may the Lord love you, may the Lord show his face to you, may his favor shine upon you. Um, and they would also just go through all the different psalm prayers. Um, and so when we look at that last thing, when it refers to the prayer or prayers, what this really is, is the worshiping of God. And so here we see in Acts chapter 2, what they're laying out before us is what the church is and how we bear witness to Christ. And as a church, when we gather around learning and the apostles' teachings, when we commit to sharing our lives and to sharing what we have and to sharing our time, and when we come together around worship of Christ, all these things centered around Christ, this is how we bear witness to Christ. So two ways that we see here in the book of Acts, us bearing witness to Christ. See, when we give a presentation of the gospel, and when we're faithful to give that presentation, and when we're not ashamed, and when we point to what the gospel really provides, and that's an answer to all the, all the problems that we see in our world and in our culture, and how Christ has come to redeem all that, and to, and to redeem us all back to him. When we are faithful to tell that, and we are faithful to share that with those around us, that is bearing witness to Christ. But then when we as a church come around Jesus at its center, and when we begin to live out a focus on that gospel and the core of what we do by committing ourselves to learning all there is to know about Jesus, and the teachings that the apostles give us about what the gospel is, when we gather around and we start to really focus in on sharing our lives, breaking of bread, and we come together as a church to worship the risen Christ, we bear witness to Christ, to our world, our community, to our relational world as well. That is how God begins to add to our numbers when we faithfully come together and do these four things. Now, I want to focus in on that first one for just a few moments. But I want to reflect upon this list, one, two, three, four. There are a lot of places in this world where you can get number two and number three, right? There's a lot of places you can go where you can get fellowship and a meal, right? Um, one of my old pastors used to say when we were evaluating ministries, he would just say, you know, you can get your Coke and chips anywhere, right? Coke and chips are everywhere. There's a lots of places where you can go and you can experience that fellowship 
and you can experience that food and the breaking of bread, right? But is that church? And is that what we're called to do as a community that surrounds itself around the risen Lord? And so when we look at the church, we have to be very careful that we look at it, making sure that all four things are true about our church community and our fellowship. We are gathering here because we are committed to learning through the apostles' teaching. We are here because we want to fellowship, yes. We want to break bread, yes. I mean, every time we start service, it feels like 20 minutes. i got to break you guys away from talking so much to each other. You love each other too much, maybe. I don't know. Um, no problem, right? But if it's just that, if it's just fellowship, if it's just breaking of bread, then we are not bearing witness to Christ. But when we are here committing ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and committing ourselves to worship, the worship of Jesus, that is when we are bearing witness to Christ faithfully. And that is when we see in Acts chapter 2 that God is adding to the numbers. It's amazing. Um, You want to bear witness to Christ in your life, right? Um, The gospel and sharing the gospel is the best way to do that. But it's incredible, too, that just being a part of a church that has a focus on the gospel at its heart, has a focus on Jesus at the center, at its core, and everything that we do and every way we orient ourselves, it's around the risen Christ. And when we do that as a church faithfully, and when all these things are true in us as we come together as a community, what does Acts chapter 2 tell us? That God will add to our numbers when we do these things faithfully and when we do all these things. It's important to understand that when we look at ourselves as a church, um, it's not a one or two, or maybe today we're a three and a four, Or maybe this day we're just going to do these couple of things. Um, No, when we are a church, we come together as a church around Christ, and all these things should be true for us. So let me focus in on that first one for just a moment. Um, I think the order is important. And I think the the apostles' teaching is the first one that's up there is significant. And I kind of talked about this a little bit more, but let me just really drill into that understanding that the apostles' teaching is is not the same as the gospel. We read in uh, Acts chapter 2.38, right there Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so we see right there in that sermon that, that Peter gives, there's a presentation of the gospel, and there's an invitation to come to know Christ personally. That right there is, is an invitation to know Christ through the gospel. That is very different than what we see here when we talk about the apostles' teaching. Um, the, 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 gospel, the gospel is incredible, guys. When you... When you respond to the gospel, it just opens up 
this world of just a million things that you just need to know to really understand what this, this, this life of following Christ means. There's a million things that you have to understand that is revealed to you once you enter that world that the gospel is shaping that helps you understand what does it truly mean to be a follower of Christ. Um, it's, it's kind of like this. Um, there's one time I visited, he, he's my best friend. Um, he doesn't live there anymore, but he lives up in, uh, he used to live in Portland, Oregon. Um, anyone ever been to, to Portland? It's a weird place, isn't it, Karen? Um, I remember when I got off the airplane, I went to his uh, apartment. Literally the very first thing I saw was a man on a unicycle on, with a mohawk with a boombox on his shoulder, and he was cranking it. And, and this was not 30 years ago. This is like maybe 10 years ago. Um, it was the strangest thing. Um, Portland just has this, this culture about it that is unlike any other place I've ever been to. Um, let me give you three examples. Um, the first thing that is fascinating about Portland is uh, it is it is a land filled with coffee and donuts. They, they are serious about their donuts up there, uh, and they're very serious about their coffee up there. I went to a coffee and donut shop with him, and I got myself a cup of coffee. And then I turned to look for where the fixings are, right? Where's the cream? Where's the sugar? Where's all the stuff you put into the coffee? And I said it at a normal voice. I was like, where's the cream and sugar? And he's like, you got to understand. This dude went to South America himself to get these beans, bring it back up here, roast them, grind them, and brew your coffee. You do not put cream in this man's coffee. It's serious business up there in Portland. Um, another thing that they're very big on is, is, is bicycle riding. Um, he took me bike riding through the city, and it was the most stressful thing I ever experienced in my life. It was like all the training that my mom and my dad put into me about you don't ride your bike in the road, right? But everyone in Portland is riding their bikes in the road, and there's an expectation that cars are going to stop for you when you're just going through the red lights and when you're in the bike lanes and when you're, some people are growling. I know, Portland, man, is so weird. Um, it's a crazy place. Um, the last thing I learned that was um, my fault, but I went to go visit my friend in the month of December. And, um, you know, I had a very nice jacket um, and a jacket that was very appropriate for Western New York. Um, it was a cloth jacket. Um, in Portland, nobody owns cloth anything. Everything is waterproof. Everything has a layer of protection so that water can't get into it. And within two or three days, I had a soaked jacket. And I just went ahead and went and bought an actual jacket that was appropriate for the Northwest. What's incredible, though, is, is I, I think you're, 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 you're tracked with me, right? My friend invited me to Portland, and I went to Portland. And there's just this world that, you know, you show up and, okay, I know some things. But there's just this culture and these million of little things that you got to understand that's unique to this world. 
And something that maybe I'm familiar with from my old life over here in Western New York is completely different out there in Portland. And, and there's, there's a million things to learn about how to live in the Northwest. It's the same exact thing when we're talking about the apostles' teaching. You see, when you accept Christ and when you respond to the gospel in faith, that's only step one. There is an entire life of learning ahead of you. There is an entire life of understanding what does it mean to live with Christ at my center. What does it mean to have a marriage where God is at the center of that? You could spend a lifetime trying to figure that out and understand everything there is to know about that. What does it mean to have these relationships in my life, whether they're family, whether they're my coworkers, whether they're my neighbors? What does it mean to have Christ at the heart of all my relationships and how to navigate those relationships and how to be faithful to Christ, bearing witness to him, and how to, to just you know, be a follower of Christ in, in a broken world. All these things, all these, these different relationships, all these different activities, your entire world needs to be shaped by the apostles' teaching, by the word of God. When you think about this church and the things that we commit ourselves to, why do we do Sunday school? Why are we so intentional about just exposing Scripture verse by verse in the Sunday service? Why is there a Wednesday night Bible study? Why do we have all these things? Because it takes a lifetime to understand these things. And it takes a lifetime to, to really allow all these truths that the apostles give us to shape who you are and how you, how you live your life. And, and the beautiful thing about this is when we as a church are gathering around the word, when we are sharing our lives, when we are sharing the things that God is teaching us, and when we come together and share all these things and break bread and worship the risen Christ, um, the amazing thing is that God continually adds to our numbers just by being faithful as a church. Ephesians chapter 4. Paul says this. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires, but to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, to be created like God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the good work of being part of a church community, being here learning about God, being here growing in Christ. The gospel is a first step towards understanding the reality of this world and what God wants to do with you and in my life to redeem us. But as Paul said, there's this lifetime of learning and putting off our old self and putting on the new you. 
And that new you, as it says in Romans, is being shaped continually in your thinking as the word of God comes into your life and shapes everything that we know. This right here is, is a big part of what we do here at Orchard. And when you look at the core values we have, especially being a, a God-centered, Christ-centered, passionately studying his word, that's why you find that in there. Because when Luke, in here in the book of Acts, talks about what does it mean to be a community that focuses on Christ, when the first thing he gives us is, is a community that is focused on learning. And so my encouragement to you is to be a part of the learning in Christ that happens here at church. Be a part of the study of the Word of God that happens at Orchard. Make your life centered around God's Word. Make your life centered around the life of Christ. That right there is part of your calling and my calling. We are called to bear witness to Christ. And we bear witness to Christ when we share the gospel faithfully, without shame. But we also bear witness to Christ when we come together as a church and surround ourselves with these four things, the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the sharing of our lives, and our commitment to worship. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for for everything you show and reveal to us in your word. God, I just pray that that we would take the book of Acts as just an opportunity to examine whether or not we are coming along, your vision, your mission, what the church is called to be. Lord, we desire to bear witness to you faithfully in our lives, in our marriages, in our relationships, and in our children. So, Lord, I just pray that we would just reflect upon your words and just ask, are we coming around these things, Lord, and and growing in you, putting off the old self, putting on the new self as we grow in Christ, Lord, and bear witness to our world? We just thank you for everything you showed us, and we're so thankful for you, and we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.